Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. And happy May the 4th, everybody. Yay! What a wonderful day, Sarah. It's a good day to be a Star Wars fan. I woke up this morning. It felt like Christmas morning for me. I just was was so excited. And you were excited yesterday that we're getting new Star Wars and there's been some cool items on sale. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. We haven't gotten any like big announcements as of us recording this episode yet. So I'm still holding out hope that we get something a little crazy, crazy, uh, crazy. You know, today, a reveal or behind the scenes or something. Uh, I stayed up really late last night. I, you know, it did feel like Christmas. I was thinking about what I was going to wear. I was thinking about um, what it was going to be like, you know, how everybody was going to be reacting. And um, I'm trying to keep the energy good. I'm wearing my Hold Me uh, Like You Did on the Lake by Naboo. Or, That's a great yeah, shirt. Shirt that I got from Adelaide's Fort today. So like, mm. you know, repping Star Wars in style. What, are, what shirt are you wearing today, Brad? I am wearing the directed by Ryan Johnson sweatshirt from Super Yaki. It is my favorite sweatshirt of all time. And it's great. It's comfy. I woke up today. I actually just washed it and put it in the dryer last night. So I woke so up this that morning. it's got warm dryer smell. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. perfect. I wanted it to be clean uh, for May the 4th. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I lounge in comfort all day. We want to look our best. Absolutely. You got you to gotta look the part as a Star Wars fan. And as you know, we are doing Friends of the 4th today. So already on our podcast feed is our main show where we talked about our favorite Star Wars memories from the last year. I have an interview with author Amy Ratcliffe about the art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And on our Patreon, we have two episodes, one about the Phantom Menace deleted scenes and another about the High Republic Adventures comics. So lots and lots of goodies to, to listen to today. And then you get this episode where we are going to be talking about the Bad Batch, which we are very excited about. But before we dive into a full spoiler conversation, I just want to ask, Sarah, has anything drawn your eye, your attention today from the realm of Star Wars merch, from the realm of Star Wars Twitter? A couple of things right before we started this recording, Ryan Johnson posted that awesome behind the scenes look of, of The Last Jedi, the, the hut exploding with the bricks, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And uh, for me, I was on the Disney website this morning waiting for those three mugs. I can't believe they did more mugs this year. I was so excited. And the Bot 2 one has Rey and Kylo on it, which like, that's awesome. I love sequel trilogy mugs. That's the only one that we have so far in that collection, that Starbucks collection. So that was really exciting. I bought the Bad Batch Funko Pops, which I'm surprised they already went on sale today. That's like crazy. It hasn't even been out for 12 hours. So they're prepared. They're ready. But what, what's what's really ca- caught your attention today? I haven't purchased anything. High five. Go me. Um, You're disciplined, unlike me. <laughs> yeah, my wallet has stayed securely in its pocket, you know, or or in my in my bag today. Um, thus thus far, I could be I could be tempted. But um, a couple things that I'm really excited about and I'm happy to like promote and share and and want people to to grab onto are Savannah uh, at the Dorky Diva. She has a Kathleen Kennedy, she did that um, shirt that has everything she's ever produced on the back. It's incredible. I know it's not like official merchandise, but I think that was an incredible drop. And my jaw was like on the floor when I saw that. The other one that I am really interested in that you just told me about is an Iden Versio Funko Pop. And Mm. I don't buy Funko Pops. But I bought one, and if you listen to our other episode, you'll find out that it's worth a lot of money. And 
this one is tempting me because Aiden Versio is my girl. I love her yeah. so much. <laughs> so, so I don't know. My my wallet is is still in the bag, but can't guarantee that it'll stay there all day. Hashtag release the wallet cut. Release the wallet cut. But I want like Rebel Aiden Versio, and this is like Inferno Squad Aiden Versio. True, true. You know, like I just really like her in that like Rebel jumpsuit that's like tied oh, at that's the really waist. Good. Yeah. Um, with the waffle shirt that she's wearing i love her yeah i really do (laughs) well i'm excited for for all these things to to finally arrive to my house and then i'm gonna wonder what the heck did i do today why did i buy so many things but you know it's all in good fun and there's a lot of great shops out there especially today that you can go support so uh, make sure you do that as well if you're able to so independent creators are the best they make some of the best merch in star wars uh so really lovely to see they really do yeah so with that being said, now we're going to move into our Bad Batch coverage. Woohoo! Yay! So we are going to be covering the series premiere. It is called Aftermath, and it is directed by Stuart Lee, Saul Ruiz, and Nathaniel Villanueva. And it's written by Jennifer Corbett and Dave Filoni with the story editor of Matt McNavetz. So this was a very fun episode. We're going to be going, again, full spoilers. Mm-hmm. So first thing I want to say up front, Sarah, is I'm... I can't keep spending every single May the 4th watching Order 66, although I can, <laughs> although I can, because I, I do love the tragedy, but as soon as we started out with the Tom Kane intro, which is classic Clone Wars, and we even see Revenge of the Sith animated in the style of the Clone Wars with Obi-Wan and Grievous, it was really exciting to kind of set up that that time frame of, oh, you know, Obi-Wan's going to uh, track down general grievous and hopefully the clone wars will end and it's really interesting mm-hmm. to see that not from the perspective of of the council and of like anakin and the chancellor but to actually like see the perspective of like other battalions across the galaxy hearing the rumors that hey obi-wan might have found grievous they we might be ending the clone wars here shortly and it's it, and, and you know knowing the inevitable tragedy that's about to occur it definitely hits different but what did you think of the bad batch overall what did you think of that introduction how are you feeling? So I'm going to say that overall, I am positively intrigued. I enjoyed what I watched. It didn't feel like it was um, too long. Like it felt like the 75 minute runtime totally worked. And uh, for this episode, I felt completely comfortable in this space. At the same time, that opening threw me for a little bit of a loop. I And I think that's perhaps an expectations thing because I you know, saw some of my friends on the, the on the Twitter tweeting that like, oh, this doesn't feel like a sequel to the Clone Wars. It feels like its own thing. And I'm not sure I totally agree. So I think I when I heard that I was expecting something slightly different, but with the Tom Kane opening and with us going back to just before Order 66, it and and, and I mean the the logo itself fading from Clone Wars into that yeah. bad batch, which I think is quite cool. It, yeah. It naturally does feel like a sequel of the Clone Wars in a sense. And so I think it might, it's, I don't think it's totally fair to say that it doesn't feel like a sequel of the Clone Wars because it is meant to be a sequel to the Clone Wars. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But I did feel at the same time, so like it's a lot, a lot of thoughts and feelings going around here. At the same time, I felt like that the intro really tied everything together in a really interesting way and very clearly put us into the world of the Clone Wars, of Revenge of the Sith, 
and this moment right right before order 66 and so it was really really interesting to see that from a different point of view and see that with um a padawan character that we already know oh yeah yeah mr caleb doom kanan jarris let's go i (laughs) was like they aren't doing this right now they're not doing they're not they aren't doing it right now no they aren't yeah they are they are doing this right now and i thought that was um crazy and also a re- another really interesting way to tie everything together and um r.i.p Deba Bilaba. very sad yeah yeah it's interesting because in the canaan comics it happens a little differently but i'm pretty okay with that because i think maybe it's just the fact that canaan from his perspective in the comics, might view the Order 66 events a little differently in his mind. He might not recollect them as well. But mm. I, I think it's really interesting to see how they changed it and involved the Bad Batch and also this whole idea of, of Caleb trying to escape and just being confused and seeing the worry of a young Padawan Terrified. not understanding what's happening, you know? And obviously, Freddie Prince Jr. is back. So, like, that's <laughs> amazing. He It was like... It kind of sounded like a grown-up Kanan, but like yeah. on a young person's body. It was a yeah. little weird, but I know he tried his best, and I'm glad they stuck with him anyways. But I, I got over it after a few seconds. I was like, this is kind of weird. He sounds like he, he you know, his voice just dropped recently. He's a young, <laughs> he's a young uh, Padawan hitting puberty real early, apparently. You know, it happens. It happens. It happens. It's a real thing. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't fault him for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. like... At one point, there, there were... Okay, so this is a tangent. You can cut this. But there was a, a guy... <laughs> who is my same age as my brother in eighth grade, who is like six, six foot two with a full beard. And I was like, he's an eighth grader. What in the world? <laughs> so, you know, it happens. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It, it, I can't fault them too hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the episode took a really dark turn pretty quickly. I mean, I think yeah. seeing order 66 with a Jedi that we knew were going to, was going to die. Right. Because obviously mm-hmm. Ahsoka with the siege of Mandalore, which you and I just watched, uh, your, your first viewing experience with it. Very emotional. Oh my God. <laughs> very emotional. But it was interesting to see it from the perspective of, oh yes, we know what's going to happen. We know she's not going to mm-hmm. make it. And to hear her screams as Kanan is running away, that was pretty dark. I, it felt Horrifying. very, very dark. And, and seeing her kind of take a few shots beforehand, it was a lot. And I was not expecting Crosshair, of all people, to sort of be the soldier who is like, you know, good soldiers follow orders, and he really wants to carry out Order 66, and obviously he is somewhat the villain of the Bad Batch series now, which I did not expect whatsoever. That was a complete curveball. But also I'm a fan of how Tarkin recognizes the, the brilliance of these soldiers, even though he wants to end clones, he wants to bring on conscripted soldiers. But to turn Crosshair into the villain and, uh, and heighten that ability to follow orders and that desire to was kind of terrifying to watch. And to see him continue taking shots at, at Caleb throughout that opening was, I was like, oh my God, don't, don't hurt my, don't hurt my boy. <laughs> yeah, it was really dark. And I didn't expect to quite hear um, the screams of yeah. Depa Bilaba. I mean, you think you, you put yourself in Caleb slash Kanan's, uh, his his shoes in that moment and that's his master being murdered in front of him Mm -hmm. and he's helpless to do anything at all and 
I can only imagine how horrifying and scary and lonely and isolating that moment is for someone. And I totally understand his hesitance to not trust Hunter and the Bad Batch at this point. And the fact that Crosshair, we get that moment where he he is to himself and he says, you know, good soldiers follow orders and essentially like says execute order 66. He, there's, he, there is a desire in him to want to go along with it which is really interesting because you know the other the other members of the bad batch don't quite have that same desire they're much more skeptical and for him to be the sharpshooter and and to be taking shots at caleb i i agree with you it was really scary and maybe mad because i was like just stop stop traumatizing this child Mm -hmm. stop doing it um and I was glad he got away safely, of course. Obviously, he has to grow into an adult to be to be in Rebels, but um I was just so upset that I was seeing this um like schism happening in front of me between these characters and their bond and in this changing world where they are just the small handful of people that understand each other. Mhm. And it it adds a little bit of emotional weight to when Kanan meets Rex and the other clones and rebels mm. and he's a little skeptical of them at first so I would I would be curious to go back and watch that episode and see the connective tissue there and the attitude that Kanan has and, and sort of the hesitancy towards clones and and the and and those memories coming back to him so it, it adds a little bit to his character which which I love that mm-hmm. we're still exploring Kanan because I'm always a fan of Kanan but Let's let's move on to Camino. I think a lot happened on Camino. This was probably my favorite aspect of the episode because there were a lot of uh, fun moments. The show is really funny. I was yeah. laughing a lot. Yeah. Like I was laughing at, at some of the the banter between the the Bad Batch and and some of the things that they were saying to each other, and especially like Crosshair's sarcastic uh, comments and uh, Tech being always just the smart guy in the room, forming hypotheses and Wrecker <laughs> like refusing to believe that anybody else influences choices but himself you know he he's yeah. the one who wants to see i want to break things because i want to break things you know and yeah i yeah. think he's hilarious and like, that's so pure yeah but we see some of that tension carry over into into camino and crosshair continuing to question the leadership of hunter because he didn't carry out those orders mm-hmm. and and we see the clones are much different when they get to Camino. You know, they bump into one of the regular clones and, you know, he says, move out of the way. And it seems like with Order 66, the clones have sort of lost their individuality. They're more stone cold. They're very stoic and they don't want to do anything else but follow those orders. That was a new side of the clones that we really haven't seen before, you know, especially in the Clone Wars. Every clone has their own personality. They're all different. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a fascinating thing to see the Bad Batch to not go through Order 66 because their inhibitor chips are altered because of their genetic mutations. It was interesting to see it through those eyes of being like, you know, we're not following these orders as, as strictly as they are. Like, what's going on? Why are, why are we like this? And obviously tech had the answer somewhat, you know, the inhibitor chips. What did you think of, of that sort of juxtaposition between the really hardened clones and also the bad batch being the sad batch (laughs) (laughs) the sad batch Um, (laughs) i saw that on the bingo card and i was like that's hilarious i love that um yeah yeah uh or is it like defect division the sad batch i I love (laughs) this um these are great names uh for me i would like to start camino right when they get off the ship 
and a lightsaber rolls to the <gasps> ground. Oh my god, that was dark. Again. Did you know who that was? Was that Shakti? It was Shakti. I, I went and I Googled Shakti's lightsaber to make sure. Wow. R.I.P. Shakti. So May she died. She died on Camino. We finally got I mean, the answer. You you there's no there's no escaping that. You know, when you're wow. on the clone facility. Wow. Yeah, because she was in charge of the training. So Yeah. Oh, so man, that, was, that hits different now. I saw that and I was like, no. I mean, obviously Shakti dies, but like, no. <laughs> tragedy, tragedy. Uh, I was so sad. And that really, again, between Depa Bilaba and Shakti, I was like, wow, we're just killing all the women Jedi today. <laughs> we're going oh, right to man. Sarah's heart. <laughs> um, oh. um, so that kind of sucked in terms of the emotional weight of that moment. But I agree with you that it was really interesting to see this juxtaposition between these clones who have very personalized armor and different looks to them and very specific personalities versus these clones that really fit the definition of of clone they're all kind of the same and the attitude of them is that they all are following orders and devoted to the empire and it was just sad to know that while the Bad Batch was a bit isolated from their regular clone peers because of their, you know, defects that make them into who they are, that they've become completely isolated now because all of the other clones are adhering to Order 66. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that maybe like the only other clones that don't really follow this at this point are Rex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. End, of li- end of list. Yeah. Um, They've, they're the only ones who've retained their, their individuality. Yeah. And so that's, that's what, you know, that makes them sad. special. Sad. Yeah. Do you want to kind of jump to, uh, the, there's a little spooky, there's a little moment where somebody, Hunter thinks he sees something. And then he, he looks over to, I think it's Techie or Crosshair, and they look up and then that thing is not there. But that thing is a person. Oh. And <gasps> it's Omega. Oh my God! Yes, yeah. Let's talk I, about it. I just want to like. I'm like, how can I transition into Omega? Maybe if I just make it a little spooky, spooky. <laughs> Omega appears and she's disappearing. Oh my God! Where'd she go? But I, I do want to mention too, seeing Palpatine's speech from Ross. Oh my gosh! Yes, fantastic. And I love, I love. This is the hilarity of the show when he says the the attempt on my life has left me scarred and deformed. And Wrecker goes, "You can say that again." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just love Wrecker for that. That is. Hilar- that's like treasonous basically he's that's treason yeah, i'm surprised 100%. he wasn't killed on the spot but yeah let's talk about omega for a bit you said you would die for omega you're a big fan of omega yeah and omega yeah i i, I do <laughs> love i do love her accent she is played by michelle ong and i thought she's a great character i i love her so much and when when nala say originally said there were five clones five defective clones or enhanced clones i was like well echo doesn't really count so i was like is that supposed to mean something Mm. he's technically a reg that they just picked up along the way and sure enough i was right my suspicions were correct and that she is the fifth enhanced clone she is officially part of the bad batch now and i love that and when she takes that shot at the end at crosshair i was like i was almost in tears and Seeing her childlike wonder actually brought me to tears at the end when they go into hyperspace and you see the blue hyperspace swirl in her eyes and the fascination on her face and really feeling like she 
you know, we don't know much about her background. She at one point mentions like, oh, what are parents? I don't know what those Mm -hmm. are. So she doesn't have a family. She's just kind of been this medical assistant, according to to Nala Say. So I I just don't know how you can watch this and not feel your heartstrings be pulled by seeing just that childlike wonder and and her and her uh and her curiosity. And that is just so wonderful. And I just love I love shows that, <laughs> you know, appear to be very hardened and dude broy on the outside, but secretly the Bad Batch is just soft on the inside. Yeah. It's like a it's like an egg, you know, and uh, when we open that egg up, we see it's it's just wonderful and it's going to be a great time I think exploring this new character of Omega and I love her. She's great. What what are I, your thoughts? I also love her. I literally we like got her first introduction where she's talking to the bad batch and I was like, yeah, I would die for her. Yeah, she's perfect. Um never change. Uh literally the best ever. So sweet, so pure. And and then I was thinking about it. And the reason why she knows who the Bad Batch is, the reason why she like idolizes them, keeps following them around is because I bet you she identifies with them. Mm-hmm. And she knows that they are the same. And that got me in the heartstrings a little bit. And then <laughs> I also have to agree right at the end when they're in the ship and she just is like looking out a lot at the stars. And then... um she sits down in in the front chair in the cockpit and you're just ah, the best part of star wars right is when you are able to see the world through a child's eye and i mean that both in universe with um broom boy right at the end of that when when he receives rose's ring and, and makes that choice to to look up to the stars when this moment happens um, and in real life, when like a child sees the wonder of Star Wars and in the in the world, and so to see that crossover happen both in our real lives and in the show was just the, like the most magical thing because I think we all want to be that child mm-hmm. and experience that childlike wonder in universe. So to get a character like Omega, who is the fan like the fans insert into that show, get to see the Bad Batch through her eyes and to get to see the world through her eyes is so exciting. And, and that might be the thing I'm most hopeful for throughout this season is, is to see how she sees the world. Yeah. And I am just in love with her. She's the best. We got to see her interact with the medical droid. Um, <gasps> yeah, and- wait, your boy's back. AZI-3. Yeah. Did you expect that? That's I- wonderful. I was so happy about that. I was like, oh my God, Sarah's going to freak out. <laughs> my favorite um i i met him like four days ago and i i love him um azi3 deserves the world <laughs> what? when they're looking AZI- for lula azi3 is in the background is this it is this it <laughs> how about this how about this yeah <laughs> i um azi3 when azi3 um recites their entire number yeah yeah I just I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with a with a cute quippy droid. Um there's no, literally nothing in the world better. And so to see AZI3 back be still my heart. Thank God. Um yeah, yeah. I I live for it. And there was just like a lot of good moments like like that one in in the show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and Omega I think is interesting because when you think about Hunter in the beginning of the episode, you know, he's chasing after another child. He's chasing after Caleb mm. and Caleb doesn't necessarily trust him, but Hunter has good intentions. He's like, why are, why are we following these orders? All those soldiers have been by Depa Baliba's side for so long and now they're, yeah. they're going to 
kill her? What what's going on? And he he does make a good faith attempt, even though Caleb doesn't believe him. But to now have uh, another child in his life, who you know maybe this is a little bit of a do over for him, and maybe he wants to try that one more time. And where he might have failed Caleb, he wants to succeed with Omega and and giving. Uh, being a guardian of sorts and protecting mm. this child, especially knowing the stakes and knowing that this is, you know, one of five people that are still around. I mean, basically, the individuality of clones ends with the Bad Batch and Rex. There's not many of them left. And clearly, Tarkin has other plans. He wants to conscript soldiers. He wants, he, he feels that they are better suited for war, which I'm questioning, you know, obviously the, the clones are very loyal and they follow orders. So, mm-hmm. you know, that just goes to show Tarkin's sort of, naivety early on you know even in the final hour of his life when he's like you know we're gonna flee in our moment of triumph i think not you know and then the death star blows up so <laughs> yeah. you you see how hard-headed he is early on to you know put his disdain for clones over anything else even though clones do are good soldiers and they will do anything but he would rather have them not around yeah that's a really interesting point you bring up because I didn't think about obviously the Tarkin connections towards the end of A New Hope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and how his character sticks sticks to that decision. And I th- I think it's really interesting. I I haven't thought hard enough clearly about why he would want regular people more than the clones because you can literally engineer the clones to be essentially exactly what you want them to be right and then you're not messing with local populations you're not causing discord by tearing families apart you're not um disrupting societies because you're you're just essentially building a brand new one but then i think about how they kind of want to disrupt societies yeah they kind of want chaos they are not here for peace uh injustice and prosperity and the new galactic empire that's not their vibe they say that's their vibe but they're lying like that's Mm -hmm. not the vibe their vibe is you know total total submission total fear under the empire Mm -hmm. so i guess it makes sense that they want regular people yeah i mean if just think about it if all those people in the galaxy aren't fighting for the empire they're going to be fighting against the empire so maybe that's the thinking wow. behind it, right? You know, we have we have to conscript these people and lead them by fear to say, hey, if you don't enlist in the army for the Galactic Empire, you're going to feel the weight of our boot. OK, that's literally exactly it. Um, 11 you know? out of 10 for that analysis. I couldn't have done it. Inc- incredible work. And the clones, the clones have an expiration date. Honestly, I mean, if they're, they're all going to they have an accelerated aging process. So. It's not really a sustainable model, but yeah, if you if you rope people in, you 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 change the attitudes of the galaxy towards the empire and the whole idea of there are more of us won't exist anymore because you are you are enlisting everybody that there could be to fight the empire. You know, you're you're enlisting good people like Han Solo and Luke Skywalker who Han Solo goes to the academy and fails and Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker almost goes to the academy because he feels that that is his best option in life. Yeah. So it is fascinating. And, and Wedge Antilles, you know, and Rebels, he is part of the Empire. He probably felt he had no other choice. Luckily, you know, it's the ones that defect and join the rebellion that end up becoming the, the biggest leaders in the fight against the Empire. So, and Bodhi Rook, you know? Yeah. So B- Bodhi Rook just wanted to do a good job and he wanted to join the Empire. And uh, he realized that he could also 
do a good job not being a part of that system and not being a part of that institution and ends up being one of the biggest heroes in the galaxy. So it is really interesting just this this idea of why Tarkin, you know, so quickly, you know, minutes, hours after Order 66 is declared, he's already putting the chess pieces into play. He already wants to get rid of the clones and end that contract. And Nala Say is definitely not too happy about it. She helps aid the, the Bad Batch's escape at the end, which I was very surprised by. And our boy Bob Bergen, who Hey-o. plays Lama Sue, if you haven't already listened to our interview with Bob, we did so last summer. So He hinted about it. Yeah, he we said, were like, it's probably Bad Batch. I think it's going to be Bad Batch. And yeah. it was Bad Batch. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was, I was uh, intrigued to see, you know, as, as the Kaminoans were a part of it the entire time, to see them now be like, damn, we kind of got fooled. Yeah. So this kind of sucks yeah. for us. I feel like another thing we ought to talk about is Tarkin's interest in the Bad Batch. Um, yeah. and the test that he gives them and ultimately oh. the mission that he sends them on. Yeah. So, you know, the test um, that he gives them is ultimately where they first see Omega kind of up in the top, watching over the arena. What did you think about Tarkin's insistence that they switch to live fire? That was brutal. That mm-hmm. was brutal when, when Record took that first shot, but it harkened back to we watched Clone Cadets. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm glad I rewatched that episode because a, a big part of that episode who, you know, Echo is a part of that group and as a rookie is that you have to work together. You can't you can't run off on your own. So the Bad Batch were really on display in their teamwork here. And mm-hmm. I, I love <laughs> when they're doing the hand signals and Wrecker's like, why can't we why are we doing hand signals? I can't remember them all. And Tech is like, well, I have because obviously Tech's got the biggest, biggest brain of them all. And He's, he's like, we're doing that thing that we did on Felucia. He's like, oh, why didn't you just say that? And Wrecker <laughs> so comes funny. in and quite literally wrecks the, the, the droids, who look like early versions of the Dark Trooper, which I think is interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good but I, I love that. I, I think it was, uh, it really raised the tension, raised the stakes of that, that training session. And uh, it kept me on the edge of my seat for sure. And I just think it shows the, the strength of that group. I, I was interested to see how quickly Tarkin kind of changed his tune to say, oh, maybe this Bad Batch is pretty good. And maybe I need to utilize that crosshair guy because he seems to follow orders somewhat, not fully, but, you know, his, his inhibitor chip, as we learned, is just uh, slightly not as active, but we make it more active and he'll be our soldier as we need him. That, and then if you think about the teamwork aspect of it, obviously crosshair follows an order and aids the team. But Mm -hmm. his position as the marksman really isolates him from the rest of the group because he's always the one that is um, staying behind or up in the treetops or, you know, at the has the vantage point in order to aid the team. So there is a particular occupational isolation within the group that I think Crosshair always or not always, but already experiences that lends him. Mm. well to be the one that ultimately leaves the group that's a really great point yeah he's usually off on his own doing something else because of that that skill with his range i love that yeah it's a great observation actually thanks thanks um i have one good observation per day um (laughs) that's that's my you have more than that you give yourself more (laughs) okay two two (laughs) um and so, yeah, I just think that's really interesting because obviously he comes slides down at the end of the battle uh, 
right in the beginning. And then he's also up in the towers, um, shooting the towers out while everybody else is on the ground in the training exercise battle room. But switching over to the mission that Tarkin gives the Bad Batch, right? He says that they're going to go to what, Onderon and mm-hmm. they are going to take out this separatist cell, right? They're going to kill some droids. But they get there and it turns out there's no droids at all. It's just people and yeah. um, Saw Gerrera and his, his rebels. Or, or maybe he's just this people at his point at this point, and they, you know, don't kill him. But Crosshair is like, take the shot, do it. And Hunter is like, this is not the mission parameters we were given. Mm-hmm. And then they realize that they're being spied on by Tarkin to see how they react. What did you think about all that? There's a lot of layers there. We're bringing in a legacy character that we've seen in a bunch of stuff before, you know. There's this idea that they would be killing people. How do they react? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think this scene really displays that the Bad Batch, with the exception of Crosshair, won't go into things with unwavering loyalty. You know, the first time mm. Hunter's like, why are we killing the Jedi now? Why are all the Jedi supposed to die? From their perspective, oh, yes, there was an attempt on the Chancellor's life. As, as Tex says, you know, he, he enacted defensive Uh, maneuvers there and you know that's why he looks the way he does now there's an explanation for it but then when you add the extra layer of okay well well, now we're just killing civilians well okay something's not right here you know i now something's not right with the jedi as well as the civilian part It, it really heightens that that moment where instead of shooting first and asking questions later they just approach the camp directly and they have a they have a talk and Mm -hmm. I think Saw in this episode is really great. I love when he says that the Clone Wars is over. The Civil War is about to begin. Yeah. And he's always one of those characters that has always sort of seen the larger picture in a way, sometimes to extreme degrees, but often he sees really who the biggest players are and and what their roles are. And he lost his sister, Stila, in the Clone Wars. So, you know, he really doesn't want all of this to mean nothing. He wants to fight and he wants to win. And he realizes that you can either adapt and survive or die with the past. You know, times are changing and you have to look at things a little differently. And he doesn't recognize Palpatine as a legitimate emperor or Mm -hmm. leader. He realizes that it's a a faulty thing. So I think that we are seeing a a, a saga rarer early on. That isn't the one we necessarily see in Rogue One, but he's going to go through some stuff for sure. Yeah. And I love how he does make Hunter question things more. I think Hunter is one of the most malleable characters of the Bad Batch. I think he's really seeing things with with, with a more open mind. And I'm excited to see where that takes his character arc Mm -hmm. and and how that affects the Bad Batch, especially now that we've already lost Crosshair. Yeah. Okay. Can I mention one thing back from the training ground that I totally forgot to mention that I just thought was awesome? Yes, absolutely. So... They are about to finish this battle. And I, I want to say it's tech, but it might have been Crosshair. I, I can't remember. I'll get them all straight by like episode 10. It'll be fine. They are in the live fire sequence and they have to finish the battle. And somebody yells like, Hunter, knife. And he throws the knife and then the knife gets shot out of the air and directly into the droid's like middle of his face. Very cool. 
I thought that was incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that, but I just I just needed to mention it or else I would have felt <laughs> like I had missed something. I mean, that just shows the sophistication of that group. It's why early on Caleb's like, yes, I brought reinforcements. How many? Five. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, they they are excellent. They're great at what they do and they do it in an unconventional way. But as we saw in the Bad Batch arc from the Clone Wars, uh, Commander Cody mentions that they have a 100% success rate. And yeah. they're good at what they do, honestly. It's why they're able to rescue Echo and get him out of the Skako Minor. And I do love, by the way, with Echo, <laughs> Tech at one point says, you're more machine than man now, percentage-wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was like, oh, well, that must feel nice for Echo. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Which, quick question for you. How, how did you like Tech this episode? by the way. I know you're I a big Techie tech. stan. Yeah. How, how did tech. you feel about him? Tech good. Tech good. Tech good. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. I love him. I, uh, My appreciation yeah. for him grew so much. I, I love him so much. I think he's really interesting. I think he became really interesting right at the beginning of the episode or, you know, the interest started when he was monitoring the chatter on the comm. He's like, oh, this is interesting. You know, um, they're saying that the war is almost over. And I was just like, oh, yes, please tell me more about this comm chatter. Please just tell me more about what's going on in your brain. I would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an excellent character for sure. I'm excited to, to, to live with him a little bit longer. And uh, the Funko Pop for him looks really cool, too. So I am pretty excited to get that. But yeah, let's go back to, to Saw Gerrera, though. This conversation, obviously, we leave off with Saw departing and the Bad Batch going their separate ways. And this is kind of the final nail in the coffin for Crosshair to say, you have failed us so many times, Hunter, every chance we get. And I I just don't believe in your leadership anymore. And eventually they return to Kamino and get captured. And there's this whole prison escape. What did you think of the Bad Batch being in that vulnerable spot and also finding omega in the cell and she just does a little wave she's like hey guys you know i love how she's always there she's so nonchalant she uh she's like hey i'm here let's do this you know she's just ready i I love that she kind of reminds me and i say this with as a big compliment because i love this other character she reminds me a little bit of korg i was just (laughs) thinking that I forgot uh, the name, though. I forgot the name. I'm so glad you said that. How could you forget Korg? Um, I, I was blanking. He's just going to start a, a little revolution. He's got samplets, got some flyers. Um, you know. He's like, oh, <laughs> hey, guys. What's, what's yeah. going on? What's happening? Yeah, it's, it's, the same, it's the same kind of vibe where he's just kind of like always there and is really well-meaning and um, just, wants to, just wants to be with people and um, get going, in a sense, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. on his mission. And I think... Omega is the kind of the same way. She's like, hey, guys, we have a connection here. Also, I have skills. Like, I can do things that you guys can't. I'm small. I'm cool. Um, I know this place because I've been here uh, recently, you know, in my, my early years here. Mm-hmm. And I think that she adds a really fun dynamic to this team that is otherwise very masculine. And I know you talked about it at the very top, but having this young girl kind of round out this team allows for there to be a wider range of understanding of the universe absolutely and i also love that she's super skilled because she is a clone like she picks up that gun and and fires it and hits the perfect shot um at crosshair's weapon and they're like how did you do that she's like i've never fired i've never fired before yeah but I did it. You know, I think I'm good at this. So I thought that was pretty great as well, because I just I love characters who are, are realizing their power as well. 
Yeah. Yeah, she was she was great and she has a good moment too with with Crosshair right before he's taken out of the cell. It's almost like a, a moment of of uh of nurturing and understanding and it's it's funny how it's the kid teaching the lessons to the adults. Cause Crosshair is sitting there and she says, you know, I understand. I understand you're angry. And he's like, that's a way to put it. And she mm-hmm. says, it's not your fault. What did you make of that comment? I thought that was a really thoughtful comment and also really sad because she's saying that to one clone, but you know, she could realistically be saying that to any of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of um Tup, right? With the Fives arc, it's not it's not his fault. Right. And I think that, you know, Fives and Tup feel a lot of guilt for that that time, you know, what happened here. This is something wrong. And it's it's if if only somewhere were there to tell them that like they are individuals and like reassure them in that way, but there's not because they're clones and they've just been bred and conditioned. So I thought that moment was really tender and um, kind and necessary. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we're going to get more of that humanity towards Crosshair throughout the series from Omega. If she's going to vouch for Crosshair in his, in his situation, his condition throughout the series. Because I, I imagine it's going to be a bit of a game of cat and mouse throughout the rest of the season as they... Yeah. Um, or there's probably going to be some chasing, you know, there's probably going to be some fighting. I imagine there'll be some sort of ultimate battle where they come face to face in a major way. And I, I hope it's the humanity that wins out. Yeah. Um, so I think that sets that, that idea really nicely. Yeah, she might be that, that one final link for the Bad Batch to reconsider their perception of Crosshair. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. realize, yeah, it isn't his fault now that he's, he's, he's changed even more. And I even thought of Ahsoka in the Siege of Mandalore arc where she tells Rex, you know, you're a good soldier. All those guys out there are, are good soldiers. They might die someday, but I'm not going to be the one to do that. And yeah. I think, you know, she's another character that recognizes it's not their fault. And mm-hmm. I think that's the, the most tragic thing about Order 66 is, yes, the clones are now the enemy, but also, like, they don't have any choice. Yeah. And that's really, that's really upsetting when you think about it. it is, it's very heart-wrenching. And to now have this Bad Batch show where we're following a, 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 a bunch of clones, you do have that choice. Although one of them, Crosshair, we, we watch him get that choice stripped away from him. Mm-hmm. That's really sad. It's really, yeah. it, was a really, it was a really tough scene to watch because we know what's happening. We know what he's going to be acting like afterwards. And they even had new armor prepared for him. Like They were, they were ready to go. And that kind of brings us to the final scene, which is the escape. You know, we we get towards that hangar, that hangar scene, and I think that was amazingly shot. I love the sort of Wild West showdown of Hunter and Crosshair. There's like that wide shot of them both standing there and the lights coming out of the doorway, shining on both of them. You get the close up of the eyes. And I I love how Crosshair's like, you need you need to stop. This is this is ending right here. And <laughs> and then Hunter goes, Is that an order? And Crosshair's like, Yeah, I guess so. And then Hunter says, well, I guess I'm disobeying that one too. And yeah. I laughed so hard. That just speaks to his character. He's going to question everything. And I love that about him. But what did you make of that final scene and just the the tension? Did you were you worried at any moment that they wouldn't escape? What what was going through your head? 
you know, I thought they were to escape just fine. And there was a bit of tension there emotionally. And also right in the beginning of that scene before the fight, um, when Wrecker is trying to find the Tuca doll. Um, like, <laughs> I, I need I need it. I need it. And Lula. I thought that was really sweet. And then Omega finds it. But that, that battle is is sad. It's sad because you know that they know each other. But that, you know, as we were talking about with um, the High Republic Adventure comics and uh, the other day on our Patreon episode, there's a bit of that like Lost Stars vibe to it all where, you know, I know you really well. I care about you deeply. And we are on opposite sides of this and we are not seeing eye to eye. And I think that's right. such a compelling dynamic. And I really like that we're getting it here because it's a dynamic that I enjoy. Even if it's not a romantic dynamic like it is in The Stars. <laughs> Although maybe. The fact, too, that they know each other really well. So a lot of the times when Crosshair was shooting, they were easily dodging those shots. You know, oh, yeah, Hunter yeah. pulled back Omega right away because he knew Crosshair's taking that shot. I know him too well. And it adds that extra layer there of predictability. So it's like, how do you fight somebody you know like the back of your hand? Yeah. And how do you win and how do you escape? And I thought it was just done really well. The the unpredictable factor, the variable that wasn't accounted for was Omega taking that shot at the end. Crosshair thought he had them all, you know? So that's I I was I was fist pumping when that happened i was i was very very excited and it was just one of those moments that was so satisfying to think like oh she's not just going to be this character that sits idly on the sidelines like she's going to be involved she's going to want to help out she's going to want to crawl through the air ducts and drop an entire vent on three clone troopers like that was really awesome too and Mm -hmm. i i i appreciate that involvement from her and i'm excited to see what else she she does throughout the series me too. I'm probably most excited. I'm most excited for her because she's yeah. the, the the newest character of the group, and she just brings something a little bit different. And I'm, ah, Omega, Omega, yes, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps up most of the discussion. I do want to give an honorable mention though to the food fight. Oh my god, that yeah. was a fun scene. I love Echo saying "not again" as if they've had many food fights before with people. But I I just thought that was a great scene and them all fist fighting and Tarkin was just not impressed by it all <laughs> you know so I, I just thought that was a great scene mm-hmm. more food fights in Star Wars please yes agree I, I thought it was hilarious when um, like Crosshair doesn't want to get involved in that fight yes then, uh, his whole tray that he's eating from gets knocked he's like well here I am I guess I'm getting involved now. <laughs> so I, I thought that was a really funny moment yeah just like a small detail that's just fantastic Mm-hmm. All those like little character subtleties, I think that's what's making the Bad Batch really great so far is just recognizing those certain those certain quirks for each of them and what makes them tick and what makes them act certain ways. So I love that. I love studying them and figuring that out. So what are your final thoughts on the episode overall and, and what are you excited for in just a couple days when we get episode number two on Friday? I have no idea what to expect. I... I have no idea like where we're going. I think I have a general idea of the arc, you know, like will Crosshair live? Will Crosshair die? I I don't know, but I think there's going to be like a big confrontation there. Mm-hmm. But like I have no idea what's to come and that's kind of exciting. And yeah. I hope that it's great and I hope that it's just as fun as this episode is. I know the changed runtime is going to change, you know, 
the the feel of it a little bit. Obviously, like a 75 minute episode is a lot different than a half hour episode. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so I like this this one overall, and I'm I'm looking forward to what what the season has to to offer us. Mm-hmm. I will say I feel that it's important to mention that especially like in the food fight scene, it was really noticeable that these characters in the Bad Batch are, uh, shall I say, a bit lighter mm-hmm. than their counterparts. And some of them even look, you know, like white and not like modeled off of Tamara Morrison. And I thought that was a little bit disappointing and mm-hmm. not totally acceptable. And I hope that uh, Star Wars changes that um, because I would imagine that, you know, people put a lot of work into the show and I understand that. But I felt like there was just something a little bit off about that. Yeah, I agree. And it extends to other characters in this episode as well. And I just, I don't know why it's happening. And it's frustrating mm-hmm. that it's happening. And whether it be intentional or unintentional, it is present and it's clear that these clones are all whiter than their counterparts, essentially. And I don't love that. And I don't want to end on a down note. That's not my goal here. But I think it's worth pointing out because it is yeah, absolutely. so noticeable throughout the episode. And it doesn't detract from the work that, you know, the voice actors are doing. It doesn't detract the work that the artists are doing. I just have a question about how we got to that point in their character design when they're clearly modeled off of a specific person who is a person of color and when in the past in other iterations of the character they were a bit darker and clearly in the food fight scene there are their counterparts regular clones are much darker so i i don't know what happened there otherwise Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed this episode and thought it was good but i just wanted to mention that criticism because it's important it's important no, I mean, I completely agree, and that that's something that's been brought up by several people on Star Wars Twitter as well. That's not just an us thing that we've noticed. It's something that was even discussed before the show came out. So I, I would be curious if the design changes at all throughout the, the season or the series, if there's extra, you know, seasons, season two or season three. Mm-hmm. And I hope that maybe Lucasfilm takes some of that criticism to heart and recognizes that, you know, it's not too late to change the design for, you know, future episodes. But we definitely shouldn't be uh, altering that too much, especially like when you said it's it's based off of um, Tamora Morrison. So that's yeah. definitely questionable for sure. But yeah. I, I, I'm excited for, for you know, what's to come in the show. And I, I imagine with episode two, I don't know who the friend is that they're visiting. I'm, I'm sure there's already discussions of, of that happening, but I would assume it's Rex. So we'll see what Ooh. happens in a couple days, but I'm excited. I'm I'm just very happy that Star Wars animation is is back in full force. Yes. And I love to, you know, at the end, it says Deep Bradley Baker as the Bad Batch. I think that was really funny in the credits. You know, he's just playing everybody. He's doing all the work. So they were, that's, <laughs> I just imagine him being pitched this this series and being like, all right, Deep Bradley Baker here. So we're going to do this this series on <laughs> on the clones and we want you to play um all of, them. all of the major clones, <laughs> like all of the entire main cast, um, we would like you to play them. Uh, and we'll cut you a big fat check in order for you to do that. Yeah. Um, because I imagine that um, playing, you know, the five essentially starring roles in the series alongside bit parts from other clones is a lot of work. It's 
a lot of work, I would imagine. So uh, props to D. Badly Baker for really excelling and giving all these characters really unique and individualized personalities and feels to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited to see how those personalities evolve. And again, we, I think we have a very interesting backdrop for this, this, this time period. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very hopeful for, for the future mm-hmm. of the show. So very good vibes all around. And we'll be covering it every week. So stay tuned for our future discussions. So I'm very excited. Yeah. So Sarah, that's the, that's the last thing here on May the 4th. Again, no news, it looks like. I've been kind of checking in on Twitter every now and then to see if there's any big news breaking. Nothing. Nothing quite yet, although I'm sure as soon as we wrap this, there's probably going to be something and we're going to go, darn. (laughs) I will be really weirded out if we don't get news today, to be honest with you. So um, I hope that by the time this episode is posted, we've got some great news and we're yelling about it on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. So uh, next time on Friends of the Force, again, we're going to be covering episode number two of The Bad Batch. And uh, sometime next week, we will be dropping our episode for throne ascendancy greater good our, our book review for that so very exciting stuff and again go check out all of our other episodes that dropped today as part of friends of the fourth very uh, good worked very hard on that so would appreciate you tuning in if you're able to and you know happy may the fourth to everybody so sarah where can our listeners find you online today uh you can find me on twitter at sch221 and on goodreads and letterbox by the same username and on Instagram at Sarah's Puzzled Pages, where I post about books and puzzles and Star Wars books and puzzles. Excellent. And as for me, you can find me at Brad Whipple on Twitter. As for the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And make sure wherever you're listening to subscribe to the show so you get all of our latest episodes and leave a five-star rating if you're able to. It helps other people find the show and join the Star Wars discussion. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash friends of the force. Again, that's where a lot of our other content is getting dropped today. Thank you to all of our current patrons, Adam, Amy, Anna, Brian, Brian, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Jesse, Knights of Ren, Levi, Lindsay, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, Skytalkers, and T. So thank you all for being proud members of the Friends of the Force Patreon. So for all of you listening, thank you once again. And until next time, may the fourth be with you always. Bye.